Unashamed, the recovery podcast. And hello, recovery family. Welcome to a new season and another episode of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, where it is okay to not be okay. I'm your host, Josh, an addict celebrating recovery from a 20-year porn and sex addiction. And new this season is my good friend and co-host, Drew. Hey, Unashamed family. Uh, I'm Drew. I, uh, I celebrate in uh, recovery, and um, I deal with a 17-year life of addiction, uh, life struggles, uh, living a life of insanity as well. On today's episode, we once again bring you a true story of redemption and hope in overcoming addiction. At the center of what the Unashamed Recovery Podcast is all about is breaking the shame and the stigma of addiction and recovery one episode at a time. And we are breaking that barrier by having honest and real conversations with real people and real recovery, by being unashamed and telling our stories, shining our light of freedom for those still trapped in the darkness. These stories feature people who have faced a lifelong battle of addiction or hurts and habits and hangups, and they've hit rock bottom. They've overcame that hell of addiction and they have found lasting sobriety whatever that may look like for them. These stories are raw and unfiltered, but most importantly, they are real to show others that we do recover and that there is hope and that there is life outside of addiction. Now these stories may contain adult language and adult content and may be a trigger. To keep these stories as real and true in nature as we can, we don't edit or cut anything out. Uh, we honor those who are willing to share by telling their whole story, even the dark parts, the ugly parts of it. Uh, so viewer discretion is advised. Recovery fam, it is a proven fact that we heal once the shame is gone. And shame dies when we share our story in a safe place. And I hope that this podcast is a safe place for all, for those who are breaking their anonymity and breaking their shame by sharing and also a safe place for everyone listening. There is healing in sharing our secrets and our stories of addiction, our trials, our failures, and, our, and all of our powerlessness, and even more healing in hearing how others have recovered. So without further delay, Let's meet today's guest. And you don't need no introduction of who our guest is today. Our guest is the same guest we had last episode. It's me, guys. Yeah. It's me. I'm back for part two. So it's uh, true. We're going to do this all over again. You ready? Yeah. So we're going to talk about where my life started to unravel this time. You know, last time we talked about uh, the, the root issue. So now we're going to talk about the consequences of some of those actions that I made. Uh, and we're going to talk about more action that ended up happening in this one. So, uh, yeah, this so is we part begin. two. We so begin. if you haven't checked out part one, stop what you're doing and go listen to that now. And then come back and hit that play button and pick up right here at this spot. We're even going to touch on some of the uh, uh, the uh, the episode four 
uh, what was it? Relapse. 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 The 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 great downfall of uh, the bedrock, so to speak, of why I needed to make a change. So yeah. Yeah. So stick to. So Drew, take me back to those significant moments that you can remember during some of those arrests, some of the more memorable moments. All right, so, oh, you want the highlight reel is what you're asking for, yeah. basically. So instead of giving you just a highlight reel, let's just, well, we're going to dig in anyway. So um, the, uh, the the one that was really the most, one of the most significant arrests to me uh, came on the, uh, it came right before my, my, my second child was about to be born. Uh, so... I was uh, working as a bouncer at a uh, at a bar, you know, the ideal place for any addict to be. Uh, but with my crazy lifestyle, I just didn't want to hold any other kind of job down. So yeah. that was that was it, you know. Uh, so that arrest, um, I'd been at a bar all night, uh, snorting coke with the uh, the owners of the bar. Uh, we'd been drinking pretty heavily. Uh, it was one of those. It was February. I remember that. It was super cold outside, uh, and the my the mother of my child who was pregnant at the time had to come down to the bar to drive me home mm. uh, so and then i argued with her the entire time and told her no nah, i want to take the car to the house it was just one of those situations where i was being stubborn and hard-headed so i made i had a decision to make and i made the decision drunk and high uh and so that decision ended up ultimately leading me uh to be interested in that was the first day i had in jail uh but the details of that um the deets is what the kids say today. The deets. let me get the deets bro so uh, but anyway the way that ended up going was um so we get in the car she gets in her car she's gonna follow me and i can't see out of my windshield to save my life but here i am <laughs> uh drunk as all get out sticking my head out the window think you know kind of the ace ventura type deal oh wow yeah so i, I was trying that you know I was making some ultimately great decisions, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, man, And but the whole thing was, was we ended up passing a cop, you know, passed him, and I just went ahead and pulled over off to the side of the road because I knew I couldn't see. And so I was going to try to wait for the windshield to de-thaw a little bit. Uh, he comes sweeping in behind me, uh, and he's just like, man, you almost hit my car. And I was like, I didn't, did not almost hit your car, you know, um, which, you know, the mother of my child, she's back there chiming in too. He didn't almost hit your car. You know, all that was kind of going on throughout this whole situation. But uh, what ended up happening, he, I get out of the car. Uh, he's sitting there talking to me. And I was like, well, if, you know, if I'm going to be here for a minute, can I turn my car off? Got to turn the car off. Uh, he ends up yanking me out of the car after he said I could, you know, turn the car off or whatever. Uh, and the reason why this is so memorable is because this was just, I mean, he ended up pulling a gun. Yeah. Wow. Ended up pulling a gun, sticking a gun in my face, and he was just like, I know what you're doing over here. I was like, what am I doing over here? He thought I was selling drugs to the mother of my child because we had both pulled over and stopped. So they ended up running the drug dog through the car like 14 times wow. at this point. Um, you know, I'm on the ground, you know, been maced at this point, uh, had the gun drawn. Uh, so I'm sitting there just like, dude, what in the world is going on? You know, uh, Jesus. But the whole thing is, and I'm blaming him for all this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's his fault. Oh, dude, you know what? You should have just left me alone. I was just letting him, you know. But really, he probably ultimately smelled alcohol. (laughs) Uh, To to be honest, I'm telling you, Will, I was say I was drunk. I was drunk. 
Uh, but, you know, sitting there or whatever, uh, you know, they send the dog through the car 14 times. You know, they throw the little uh, the dog toy in there and he goes in there. And he, the dog never hit on the car. Uh, but another officer ends up pulling up and the, the drug dog actually stops and he sits. And, you know, I guess that's, you know, indicating that he hit on the car or whatever. Um, and I know for a fact I didn't have anything in the car. But being in my drunken stupor, you know, I was just, you know, I was out there. Yeah. My entire lifestyle was out there. They already knew it at this point because of some of my other, you know, previous, you know, decisions and some of the previous arrests. This is just one of those significant ones. But either way, so um, the, the, uh, one of the task force guys ended up coming down there and they pull out uh, this baggie, you know, with, uh, it had extra little baggies in it or whatever. Uh, and they were like, well, a baggie for the baggies. A bag. It was like a Ziploc bag. <laughs> so yeah it, it, it sounds crazy but you know i guess it was like a ziploc evidence bag yeah. uh is what they had but what i saw was a baggie full of baggies you know and i was just kind of like what is that you know and, oh, shut up you know and i'm just kind of like you know i'm sitting there and then you know you, the mother of my child she's steadily screaming for me to shut up and don't say anything you know and i was like well let, let my dad get down here who has saved me through everything even though we did not talk we were having you know uh we talked about that in the first episode the, you know my relationship with him was still on the rocks but at the same time like he still was coming down there to you know to save me uh and you know and that's one of those things like you know talking about it now and looking back on it you know it's, it's amazing how our families still love us through our addictions you know what i mean they're still there no matter uh how much we um villainize them you know uh we make them the villains of the story well we can uh we can say man they never cared but the whole time they love us through it anyway it's just they just get to a point of they don't know how to anymore yeah but anyway so he comes you know he's coming down there or whatever but uh he never made it down there while i was still there so they end up taking me to jail for possession of cocaine with intent uh, and intent to distribute was the, the wow. initial charge. Uh, and this was days, I'm talking about days before my second child was supposed to be born. So I'm sitting back in Lauderdale County Jail, uh, you know, and that was, that was a big situation to me, you know, because I'm, this is a felony, you know, I'm looking at a felony. I was looking at, uh, five years, you know, um, but we ended up getting a lawyer. I ended up getting off with, um, probation. Uh, it was non-adjudicated probation, but through my stupidity and my insane wanting to live crazy and my just not, I just didn't care. You know, I was like, well, I beat that. So guess what I went back to doing? Yeah. Drugs and alcohol still. Uh, and, you know, that ultimately. Didn't learn nothing. I, well, I did. I did. I stopped uh, for a little while. You know, and I think to honestly say and look back at it now, you know, uh, addicts, man, we have these many attempts to stop, whether we realize it or not, you know, but if we don't have the tools, we don't, if we don't go to meetings, if we don't find a sponsor, we don't do all the things that we're supposed to do, the, the things you hear about when you get to rehab finally, you know, because trying to do it on your own just ain't going to kick it, you know, and that was one of those things, you know, with the help of the mother of my child, you know, I was trying to, to stop, but um, one of the uh, old friends that we had who sold dope came by the house, he was like, man, I need you to hold this here for me. You, you're you done with that stuff, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, uh, no. Uh, that ended up probably being one of the worst decisions ever was to say yeah to that. Um, because, 
once again, if you don't change people's places and things, same things are going to end up happening. You're going to live the life of insanity, uh, hoping that it changes, but it never does. But um, when we're talking about arrest, that story, man, um, that was very impactful because that was like the first time that I'd ever really had to pay for the consequences of my own actions uh, due to the fact that it was not adjudicated me going back out there and uh, do living crazy again, man, I was uh, lying to the mother of my child, going to sleep with different women and all kind of stuff, you know, in the midst of all this. And so she ends up leaving. Uh, we end up in a knockdown drag out fight. She ends up leaving. Uh, but uh, after she left, my life really went downhill after that. Um, I started, uh, you know, taking sleeping pills and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, one night I decided I was going to take a handful and drink a bottle of Jack Daniels behind it. So that was wow. suicide attempt number one. Uh, I ended up going to rush. They wanted to pump my stomach. Dude, so I ended up, when they told me they were going to pump my stomach, I yanked tubes out and I took off on foot. I hauled butt. Uh, but I was in deep doo-doo because it was, uh, what is the, uh, Trazodones? Yeah, so it was a bottle full of Trazodones. I don't even know how I made it <coughs> out of that hospital. Excuse me. But either way, so um, at this point, I'm all alone. You know, uh, I stopped going to see my probation officer. So what happens with that? Yeah. So I ended up uh, being picked up um, days before Christmas at this point. Wow. So um, days before Christmas, I ended up getting picked up. And, I, you know, I sit there through Christmas. I sat there through New Year's, Valentine's Day, all those little great holidays. Everybody wants to spend with loved ones. I was spending in the back of a you know jail cell. It was um, duly earned by some of the <laughs> life choices that I was making. But you know, and um, thinking about all that, you know, that was the first time I'd picked up the Bible um, since Ashley, really. And so my mom ended up you know sending sending a Bible that I could understand, and she sent some, you know they ended up giving me like this pencil. It was like a pencil that was that big. You know, you can't you can't have the big pencil or you'll shank somebody. Yes. Clear in the tube. Uh, yeah, dude. So, and it's like this flex pen yep. too, you know, and I'm sitting there trying to like circle all this stuff, mm -hmm. man. Um, I, you know, I still have that Bible to be honest, you know, and I looked at some of those things, um, you know, throughout, through the course of this recovery, uh, through the course of the recovery I'm living now. And man, it was, it was astonishing. Some of the stuff that God was really speaking to me at that point in time, but you know, it was, I taking heed. Eh, for then, because I was praying for a way out, you know, and it was just one of those things. Well, maybe if I get into the Bible, I can get out of here. So, uh, which happened a couple more times, you know, I got arrested for some contempts and all that kind of stuff. But um, my life, man, my life was nuts, you know. Uh, so after being out for a couple of times, oh, so I say that. Let me go back real quick because, you know, I'll jump ahead of myself. You already yep, know how I, I know. get. Yeah, I get to talking and I get into this flow. And the next thing you know, we'll <laughs> rabbit trail off and then come back. It was probably why we didn't make it out of that first part of this episode. Uh, well, I wouldn't say way. nothing. Hey, hey. Ease <laughs> up, fella. Ease up, fella. But, you know, man, um, I, fought, I, got, I had a lot of fault. And I felt a lot of shame and I felt a lot of guilt. At the fact that the first attempt at me having a family, you know, the one thing I said I would never do is let that fall apart, and it did. You know, um, my kids were gone. Uh, the, you know, the girlfriend that I was had intentions to marry and all this kind of stuff, you know, she was gone. But I was, I was a dumb kid. You know, I was a dumb kid making dumb decisions and not really uh, wanting to be a dad at that point in time. 
which wasn't fair to my kids at all um, because they didn't ask to be here. Yeah. You know, uh, so I fought, I, you know, I fought myself on a lot of that, which uh, through some of the recovery processes and step studies and stuff like that, you know, I've talked about it and, you know, that's in the past. I can't live there, but at the same time, I can't say it didn't bother me, you know, because I'm still paying repercussions of my actions now for that um, with, you know, two of the older kids growing up in separate households because um, I couldn't keep my head on straight because I wanted to do drugs and, and alcohol and stuff. But, um, so, kinda, it, yeah. It's kind of sure. interesting on how things kind of shift priority. Yeah, yeah. And, man, you know, I chose drugs and alcohol over them. That part breaks my heart every time I go back and think about it. I know this is unashamed. You know, I'm unashamed to tell the story, but I, and I don't really feel you know, the guilt that I felt is, well, the weight of it. I still feel it, but it's the weight of it. It isn't so heavy. Um, you know, I've tried to, you know, here recently, uh, not recently, over the last couple of years, you know, I've been uh, doing what I can to repair those relationships with my kids and explaining to them everything that, you know, what I talk about on the show or uh, talk about in life, period. But um, the end result of me not... Um, reporting uh and being locked in that cell ended up me being uh in prison uh the first time i ever went to prison so that's why it was really significant um it's something that's been expunged now you know but at the same time uh before that man it affected my life in so many ways i imagine you know and i had to live it i had to live that down i had to you know i was just like well you know um yeah i got a possession charge I, you know and they took it from a possession with intent uh, they end, my lawyer ended up getting it dropped down to a simple possession. Uh, there was no way that they could just get it dropped, period, even though you know, I, know I, didn't, I didn't have baggies in the car. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. I was really, when you really look back on it and you start thinking about it and you start talking about it, um, it was inevitable. You know, I use that word a lot in the first one. It was inevitable for that to happen. You know, um, that was one of those things. I was going to get caught, period, point blank. And I think I was getting caught simple at that point in time before it got to something else. Or somebody died or I killed somebody drinking and driving or uh, however you want to put it. <clears throat> but so, yeah, that was the first time I ended up uh, going to prison. That was not not a fun thing for a kid that grew up in the suburbs, poor uh and thought that life was just what it was. Peachy cream and, you know, all jokes at that point. You know, I was still pissed about Ashley dying. Um, still mad at God, still mad at myself, still hurting behind that, uh, at that point, you know, even though I had kids with somebody else, I mean, that's, that sat there because I, I never dealt with it. Yeah. You know, um, kind of pushed down. Yeah. You know, it just, it stayed submerged, uh, even to the fact where it did affect my relationship with the first mother of my, my two kids, you know, um, it affected that relationship a lot because I just couldn't live in, uh, freedom hmm. from from my grief if that makes sense yeah so i was steadily chasing ways to numb that you know what i mean um and i you know never really wanted to talk about it with her uh because i didn't want her to think she was being compared to somebody yeah. uh which that wasn't the case at all you know um she was she's an awesome girl uh still is even though she gets on my nerves sometimes i'll tell her that to her face <laughs> You want to edit that out? Please. <laughs> please. Please edit that part out. I'm going to die, y'all. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but seriously though, you know, uh, man, she put up with what she could, you yeah. know, and uh, ultimately my drugs and alcohol and everything else ended up pushing pushing her away. Uh, it pushed me away from a lot of people as well. You know, uh, the fact that, you know, I had a, such a hard time being accepted in school and being accepted outside of that, uh, that was a major catalyst for me learning how to push people away. Uh, if I felt like you were getting too close, I pushed you away. You know, um, the fact that I dealt with the uh, the grief and the agony of Ashley dying, that was another, uh, you know, another root issue uh, that blossomed into the tree of me pushing people away. Yeah. You know, because it got, it, the less that I had to have somebody, or, or how can I put that? The more somebody felt like they were, I felt like somebody was getting closer to me, to not ever have to deal with the hurt of them leaving, I just went ahead and pushed away. Yeah. You know, um, I would lash out with anger. I would lash out with, you know, um, revenge use. If you don't know what revenge use is, I'm pretty sure you do because we've talked about that before. But to those who don't know, revenge use is basically where somebody makes you mad and you feel like you have to go use behind that, you know, or you feel like, oh, I'll show them, you know, kind of situations. Yeah. That was There was a lot of that in my life uh, because, you know, somebody pissed me off and I'd just say, well, you know what, I'll go get high. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, but so pushing well, is also yeah. kind of a self sabotage. Yeah, uh, that, there was a lot of. I might as well just had a six shooter and shot every toe I had off at yeah. some point. You know what I mean? Uh, that's with jobs, relationships, uh, kids, my kids. You know. Yeah. Um, but so skipping ahead, um, so there was after that, you know, you know, going to prison and whatever. I lived in Biloxi for a little while. Um, I almost got married to a girl down there. Uh, that did not happen due to the fact that I went uh, back to drugs and alcohol all over again. I uh, ended up losing the job that I had there. Uh, matter of fact, I got arrested down there too. Yeah, so trouble followed me because I allowed it. You know, it's just one of those things like, you know, the choices you make, you're going to pay the consequences for them. What's that saying? You're going to uh, sleep in the bed that you make? Yeah, pretty much. And every time that I decided to make the bed, guess who had to sleep in it? You know, um, funny thing about Biloxi, though, and it really plays into it, it, it comes back around is how this works. So I got arrested uh, two times for possession of marijuana. So I never showed up for court for any of them. Instead of going to court, I ran back to Meridian. And so me running back to Meridian, uh, that was outside of their, you know, jurisdiction they would not come here and pick me up no matter if i was in jail or not they weren't going to do it because it cost money yeah so they weren't going to extradite no they weren't going to extradite they were just going to leave me here which is funny because it's just right down the road you would think they would come but no they never did um matter of fact i think i stayed off their dockets for a, a while due to the fact that you know they had me showing up to court but i ended up bolting out of the courtroom as soon as they gave me an opportunity i took off you know, um, but that was more of that insane living. You know, I yeah. was running away from issues. Uh, so that's how I ended up back in Meridian after prison. Um, so during that time, I ended up meeting another girl, uh, which is uh, my youngest's mother. Uh, and she, she, you know, there was girls in between all this, of course. Um, yeah, so I was a bit promiscuous. Uh, yeah. 
I, you notice I stuttered when I said that. I did. Yeah, because I don't want to. That's that's <laughs> one of the, that's one of those things. Like, can I keep this a little bit? But if we're gonna be unashamed, we're gonna tell stories. You got to tell all the all the dirt. Uh, yep. Yeah, you gotta gotta. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable with that. <laughs> oh, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's hard sometimes pulling those uh, skeletons out of the closet. And, yeah. And looking at it. It's hard taking that mirror and looking at ourselves. I mean, it, it's hard. But, man, that the feeling and that weight that comes off when you do it. Honesty always feels like an attack when you don't give it it's it's uh the right room to sit in. Oh yeah. Yeah. When it's really uh there for your growth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um somebody told me that once and I can't exactly remember who said that, but man, that was one of those things, you know, you hear the these these quotes or uh somebody said something and it really sticks. But so anyway, so moving forward I come back from Biloxi, uh, you know, I was working in restaurants and, you know, I was one of the top bartenders in Meridian, uh, you know, um, the crazy thing is, is during my, what is it, you know, my inventory process, uh, I, I come to realize that, uh, I was a top bartender because I was drunk, you know, <laughs> 95% of the time, you know, that I was <laughs> working. Uh, so either way it goes, but man. There was this one time I was uh, working for a uh, pretty prestigious place in Meridian, um, you know, and I was I was skimming off the top a little bit, you know, and had to be honest about that. And to my sponsor for the first time, that was one of those things that was just like, oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, you don't want to ever look at that for what it is, but that's exactly what happened, you know, and I try to deny, 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 deny. But if we live in denial, we're never going to ever tell the truth. We're going to keep lying to ourselves. And you can only live in denial for so long. Right. So, you know, it's, and it's coming clean to anybody is tough, but man, once you like coming clean to a sponsor. Yeah. Cause they start hitting you all upside the head with these truths and you're just like, shut up. Nobody want to hear that. You like, know? I know that. I don't need you to tell me that. I know that. <laughs> That's, I still, you know, I still at some point need to make an amends to that, that facility or that, that, uh, establishment uh that's in the works uh, you know but with time that will come but either way so i was you know working in and out of bars and uh restaurants and stuff like that you know i was a top server top bartender uh and pretty much every one of uh, i worked in every restaurant i think in meridian outside of like two you know um at some point in time which was, you know, great. And, you know, I had a following. I had some people, man, well, where are you working at now? You know, yeah. uh, and hearing it now, you don't realize how embarrassing that is that, you know, you just moved around like that. You know what I mean? Like you just didn't put your feet down solid anywhere. But I can only attest that to some of the root issues I already had of not belonging. And that was me running from problems. Yeah. You know, no I cre- create my own, my own drama and then run from it, you know, um, crazy stuff man uh but so anyway so i ended up meeting um you know my youngest's mom uh then we hit it off really well but uh we hit it off really well uh probably for the the wrong reasons um pretty girl you know uh but uh she she liked to drink and her liking to drink i like to drink 
but I, you know, of course, I like to do all the other additives along with it and still didn't want to give none of that up. So uh, we lived in a friend of mine's bedroom, you know. Yeah, the two of us lived in one bedroom uh, in a tiny apartment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was tiny, you know, and that, that stayed that way for the first first year or so, first two years. Uh, then we moved into our own place. And then so then we got really vindictive and abusive towards each other. Uh, you know, we were, um, you know, we'd, we'd fist fight, uh, call each other names, all this kind of stuff. And it got, it got pretty bad, um, at one point to where, you know, I went to jail for domestic violence, not once, but twice. Uh, but then, you know, her noticing that anytime she could call the cops, I could go to jail. She ended up calling them every time there was an argument. It didn't matter. Um, the, the relationship itself was volatile. Um, what's the word everybody uses now toxic you know mm. uh it was it was toxic not making a joke of it but it i mean it was what it was but so um but we ended up for some odd reason man you know we kept drifting back towards each other um which it was either the comfortability of lifestyle because i could accept her drinking she could accept my drug use um no matter if i was hiding in the bathroom or whatever it was uh, but yeah, so we ended up um, having a child. He was planned, you know, uh, to fix the relationship. But lo and behold, it didn't fix anything. Uh, yeah. Only the only thing that would have fixed it was both of us getting the help that we needed, you know. Uh, but that's not how that happened. Yeah. You know. So along comes my youngest, who is a he's a uh, fireball of energy <laughs> you you know him all too well matter of fact you uh you say he acts a bit like me so <laughs> yeah which is pretty calm. you know it's crazy how calm I'm staying for the podcast cuz most of the time I'm bouncing off the walls too uh and I just like him <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> so so you you've taken us through this with these these different arrests and uh i know we could probably sit here and we could go on for another hour about a lot of these different uh situations in your life yeah now i know in the timeline that we're getting pretty close to where uh you started kind of coming to the end yeah and so what did that end look like for you? What what was the catalyst that got you headed toward the direction of getting help? All right, so that's uh you know we we're talking about some of the the, the final arrest uh, with the domestics and the, or the two domestic violences. Um, so with that, um, with that ended up coming. Uh, a night where I decided I was going to take some Xanaxes. Uh, that happened first. Uh, so what ended up happening, there was this guy that kept calling our house. Uh, you know, Brittany had stepped out on our relationship, you know, uh, within the timeline, you know, before Jasper was born. So this guy was calling, man, that's my kid, da 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 You know, he was just, he just kept on, he was adamant about it. And, um, you know, Man would ride by the house, terrorize us a little bit, you know, just one of those people just wouldn't stop until this point was made. Um, So then I finally got fed up with it. You know, it was one night that I'd taken some footballs, you know, I had a taste for those things. But so I'd taken some footballs, you know, and was 
pretty much barred out at this point. So he called again, and I knew where he lived. So I just went to his house, knocked on the door, you know, told him, look, dude, stop calling our house. Yeah. Stop bothering me. Stop. You know, I thought I was doing what I could to protect our family, but the whole time is I shouldn't have never took my butt over there in the first place. You know, um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but anyway, so uh, he kept calling and kept, you know, kept kept on with the back and forth. And I know uh, I don't want to get some time constraints again. So no, no, you're good. So what ended up happening was uh, we ended up, he ended up saying something smart. And I, you know, I spit in his face, and then we ended up in a fist fight right there at the doorway. His roommate comes up. He has a baseball bat. So I kind of, you know, I was like, all right, look, we're done. He just needs to stop calling the house and all that kind of stuff. You know, just stop harassing. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, probably shouldn't have my butt over there anyway. So I'm going to my car and I feel when I'm swinging the bat. You know, you can feel Ooh, the wind. Wow. Yeah, you can feel the wind off this dude. And I was just like, all right. So that's what we're going to do. So I get in the car and they're starting to hit the car with the baseball bat. So finally, I just put the thing in drive, ran both of them over. Um, I ended up paying the price for that. I uh, ended up getting uh, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon uh, because I ended up running him over with the car. Um, so in the midst of all this, uh, you know, the the mother, the last mother of my child, we're, having, we're still having our issues. Uh, so she ends up calling the cops again. I end up going for a third domestic violence in the middle of all this. Uh, you know, and this this time uh, the argument happened in front of my young, my, my child. Uh, so there was a, uh, there was a lot of, uh, grief from the cop about that. Uh, you know, I ended up, um, matter of fact, I kind of took off through the woods at first for that one. Uh, so what ended up happening with that is, you know, a week or two later, they came back by the house, picked me up, uh, for the aggravated assault and the domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So I get, I get locked up in, in the county. There ain't no way out this time, you know, um, so I thought that, but then they ended up giving me a bond on the aggravated assaults, which in turn, my lawyer worked it to where I could be out on the domestics. So, but Brittany called the cops when, you know, I didn't mean to put her name out there, you know, try to keep everybody's, uh, say, scratch that. You didn't hear that. Uh, we'll but it, put in a little sensor bleep. Beep. <laughs> um, but it, either way it goes, uh, she ends up calling the cops again because she already knew what was over my head. Uh, and this was one of her like, ha ha ha, I could kind of tell you type of situations due to the alcohol use and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so what ended up happening with that was they ended up taking me to jail. Uh, this time that, you know, I, I didn't have a bond period. Didn't have a bond whatsoever. Um, so that was while you were out on the other bond. I, I was out on one bond. And if you know, already know how the system works, if you're out on one bond and you get picked up for something else, whether somebody calls or, you know, for some odd reason, man, I wouldn't even have to touch her. And they'd, she'd call, but I guess it was due to the fact she'd call so much that they just felt like you separate the two of them. Yeah. Uh, and so I ended up going to jail for that one. Uh, but we did. It was it was a, it was a pretty bad argument, though. Um, the way that went, and I'm like, I can't even sugarcoat it. Like, um, she ended up biting my ear in two, and I ended up face palming her. Uh, yeah, so that was that was pretty bad. So I could try to downplay that as much as I want to, but it, it's yeah, it was pretty serious. Uh, like I said, that happened in front of my child. You know, um, man, it was insane because I was still in coke. I was still, you know, using meth at this point in time. Um, I was still, I was just out there. 
you know, but this is one of those moments where I, you know, I was trying to, you know, work two jobs and bring money home for, you know, for the family or whatnot. Uh, but the whole thing is, is like, I was trying to quit at this point and I just, it was just like, you know what, if you're going to keep drinking and I'm just going to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, but either way, making so, those excuses. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, if you're going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yep. Okay. Okay, we we gotta tell ourselves whatever it takes to keep us into that cycle. Yeah, I I mean it's funny how easy it is to talk yourself into it. Oh well, you know it ain't that bad. She's drunk, you know. Yeah. So that was uh, you know, if you're gonna do that, I'm gonna do this, you know. Uh, but I was faulting her for drinking in front of the child, but the whole time, you know, I was doing my thing. Yeah. But it was never in front of him. You know, I can say that much, but it didn't make it any better because yeah. I was still being an irresponsible parent. Um, now, to go in, in further into that, like I said, uh, she ends up calling the cops. The cops ended up coming. Uh, so at this point, I, you know, I get taken back to jail, I go in front of the judge. The judge is like, no bond, you know, and then I go back in front of the judge. He's like, yeah, I got a bond, $100,000. I was like, so I called my dad and I was like, so it's a hundred thousand dollars. He said, yeah, no, no, mm. no. He said, let me ask you this. Are you drinking? Yeah. Are you using? Man, why are you asking me all this? Are you going to help me out or not? You know, yeah. turned to one of those situations, you know, still that sound, I was ungrateful. You know, for the help that I did get. So, I mean, he was pretty much, you know, I'd wrote me off. Yeah. You know, knowing who I am right now, or being who I am now, uh, knowing an addict's lifestyle, I'd have wrote me off too. Because there was nothing changing. Yeah. There was no change. You know, if what I, you know the saying I use all the time. What is it? Put you on the spot, got you. Nah, so uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, I did that to you. I got you then. But what yeah, is, it's it's that whole saying of nothing changes, nothing changes. So if yeah. you don't change that one little thing, how do you expect change in the bigger part? That's right. Change starts small. Uh, and I wasn't even trying to make the small changes. You know, yeah. uh, if it was a small change, it was only for a moment. Then I was going back to doing the same stupid stuff already, you know. Uh, but either way it goes. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at, at this point, uh, 20 years. 20 years uh, due to the fact that even though the uh, the position of cocaine had been expunged, it was still popping up. Um, it shouldn't have popped up, but it did pop up because the DA knew who I was, mm-hmm. you know. And so, old Southern courtrooms, uh, you know, the, the whispers behind the door, you know, pretty much kind of that deal was happening. So anyway, you know, I'm sitting there looking at 20 years once again i'm pissed off at god i'm pissed off at myself i'm pissed off at everybody who i think has fault in it not still pointing the finger at me yeah it's everybody else's fault not my fault well if my dad would just get me out of here i know i could work my case so i ended up with a uh a pro bono lawyer um you know one of those they the court appointed lawyer at this point my dad wasn't paying for a lawyer he wasn't doing anything however you figure it out son that's how you figure it out that's why i think he told me one time and he had every right to say that. Um, either way it goes, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm never going to see the light of day. My son's going to be this age by the time I see him again. You know, my kids are going to be grown, you know. And I was just that I was in the pit at that point. I was yeah. just like, you know what? I'll never see my kids grow up. 
that's when it really started to switch for me. That was when the mindset had to change. But like I said, I was still mad at God. I was still mad at the world. I was still mad at everybody. But what ended up happening was, um, man, there was this guy that was in there. Uh, and, you know, he was doing what he called prayer call uh, at nights. So anything you need to pray, you know, that you wanted him to pray for, he'd pray for it, just call it out. You know, they'd he'd get all these guys together that were in one single pod. There was like, um, at that point, the jail was overcrowded. So there was like 45 of us in one pod. And if you know Lauderdale County Jail, that's, that's not a yeah. whole bunch of room. You know, yeah. um, I think each pod is supposed to hold like 20 people or something like that. So we were doubled up. Yeah. <clears throat> so he was calling prayer calls and stuff like that. So there's just all these guys that were screaming out, you know, great prayer requests. And I'm just like, man, this stuff ain't going to work, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pissed. You know, yeah. it's just like, you know what? And then so he'd come to me, man. I just wanted to, God sent me your way, man. He wants me to pray for you. I said, if you don't get out of my cell with all that God <laughs> stuff, I don't, nobody wants to hear that mess right now. It's like, dude, get out of here. Yeah. You know, um, and then, so he would do these morning, you know, Bible study things where he would sit up there and he'd talk about pieces of the Bible, you know, what it meant to him and um, how, it, you know, it actively means that, you know, well, we're in the belly of the beast right now and God's calling us to come out. He wants us to do something that we're not paying attention to it. And I remember that him saying that he's asking for you to do something. Let me tell you about Jonah and the whale. Mm. You know, that, that was one of those, I was just like, that was just stupid. Shut up, man. Yeah. Cause he ain't making no sense, you know, because it was just another story. But what ended up really starting to, to dig in is that he started talking about a Bible st story that actually went in depth on. And so it was just like, huh? So I started paying attention to what he was saying a little bit because I was trying to see if it was going to match up to what I already knew. Cause you know, yeah, I was looking for faults in it. Yeah. You know, but, um, this, this, go ahead. No, nah, I just want to say, <coughs> hey, like, sit and listen, like, hey, if, if, if his story don't match up, hey, he's crazy and I ain't listen to him. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I was look, looking for a way out, yep. you know. Um, and I'm, let me say this real quick. It doesn't matter how many times you try to run from God or it doesn't matter how many times that you don't want to believe. Uh, he's going to make it to where you have to sit down and face him, no matter how much you run from him. And this is one of those sit down and face him moments. Uh, but either way, so he started talking about, um, you know, uh, Zechariah and the tree and all that kind of stuff. He started talking, you know, um, he started telling me all these other stories. And so I was just like, all right, so he's pretty spot on, you know. And so, come here, Drew, let me talk to you real quick. I was like, man, don't nobody want to talk to you. Dude. Yeah, no, man, have a seat. So I'm just like, no, man, I'll, you know. Miss me with all that. I was like, dude, I'm facing 20 years. Ain't nobody. I was like, all I'm trying to do is get on the phone real quick. See if I can get a lawyer. Yep. He's like, so you want me to pray for you to have a lawyer? And it's like, dude, don't nobody <laughs> want you to pray for none of that. Like, go on about your business. You know? And, um, and then finally, man, he comes in my cell talking all this mess. You know? And yeah. finally, I just got to the point. I was like, dude, come back in here again. We're going we to have to fight. Like, I'm, I'm asking you to back off. Leave me alone. Man, man, no, man. He ain't going to fight me. He starts smiling. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> you don't know me too well. Come back in here. Yeah. It's going down. But, man, so, uh, it's in there right around Christmas time. You know, it seemed to be 
the uh, the time of year for yeah. for uh, for me to go to jail every time. Um, but either way, so you know, they start talking about you know the Christmas story. They start handing out these little bitty Bibles, and of course, you know, I was you know trying to find it on my own at this point. I wanted to read just a little bit, just something to pray about or talk to God. You know, even though I was mad. You know, I was like, you know what? This ain't even going to work. I gave up, threw the Bible to the side. So, man, one guy went in to go get a sentence, you know. Um, you know, he was supposed to be facing, I think he had 50 years over his head. But him and this guy had been praying about it, you know. And I was just like, so I'm eavesdropping a little bit, you know. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not hard to do. So he was, man... You prayed for me, man. I only ended up with five, man. I only ended up with five. I was like, hold up. This dude got wow. 50 years over his head and he only ends up with five. Like, what? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Let me but, see about this. Like, what, what are you, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? Yeah. You know, uh, so either way it goes, this guy, you know, I said, finally we start talking a little bit, you know. Man, I know you're mad. I ain't going to bother you too much. You know, it starts. You know, giving me a little tidbit. So, wait, what questions you got? Starts asking me questions, and I'm I start asking him questions. And every question that I asked, he had a biblical reference for. Yeah, wouldn't even have the Bible open at this point. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, well hold on, talking about your kids, right here. He mentioned yeah. a scripture about kids. Oh well, you say that you're mad at God to Job. Yeah. I'm, and he starts going off there. And then every time I say anything, he was like, hold on. So he, what he was doing was giving me biblical principle that he already knew. Yep. And in answer form, because if it was coming from him personally, I'd have been totally done That's with right. it. Right. So either way it goes to speed the story along. So um, he hit me with with a story one time. So finally, we just I started sitting down and listening to uh, the Bible studies. And that was where it started. Started listening to the Bible studies. Started going to prayer calls. Uh, because, you know, I was in a no-hope situation. So something's going to have to work. Because I couldn't get my parents on the phone anymore. Didn't nobody want to talk to me on the phone anymore. Uh, friends that I thought I had weren't answering the phone anymore. Yeah. All my dope friends, they, man, they ain't got no money for you. You know, I, I remember phone calls like that. Like, ah, man, I can't help you out. Yeah. You know, they didn't even want to write talk nothing they didn't want no part of it they were done with it or man i i got you i got you man just wait till wednesday yeah wednesday come nothing you know either way so i was looking for something at this point whether i believed it or not yeah so we started talking to this guy and we have we're having these conversations and then you know he starts doing his bible studies we start uh he starts doing these prayer calls and you know i'm starting hey well you know just want to pray about my kids, man. That's it. You know, make sure they're all right. Because, you know, I've written myself off. Yeah. So then I started having more questions. And he started coming up with more answers. And then finally, it got to the point to where I was inertly listening to the Bible studies. Like, trying to learn a lot out of the Bible studies. And trying to learn a lot out of the prayer calls. And then finally, I started praying. I started praying for help. Let me get rid of this. I don't want to use drugs anymore. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to do this. You know, yeah. I don't want to be angry. I was tired of being mad. You know, uh, being mad is exhausting. It is. And being mad at the world is exhausting. You know, I started praying about that. Started praying for, uh, you know, um, 
whatever was in me to make me so hateful to go away. You know, I started praying about all these things. Uh, and slowly there was a shift that was starting to happen. I didn't know it at that point. Yeah. But man, the guy was about, you know, he was getting his sentence. He was facing, uh, I think, 25 years. He ended up with, uh, he ended up with 10. You know, he was a habitual offender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so him being a habitual, only getting 10 in a day, I mean, he was supposed to have like close to life yeah. at this point, just from being a habitual offender. Uh, and so I was like, man, what did what do you pray about? Started talking to him about that kind of stuff. What do you pray about? And so this is ultimately the change that was starting to happen little by little. Yeah. It was first Bible read. Second, prayer. Third, me trying to gain all the information that I could yeah. about how to talk to God a little bit better so I could understand. And it, I did it for the wrong reason at first, but it became the right reason towards the end of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so the wrong reason being selfish intent and desire, right? But by the end of it, man, I was praying for everybody in that pod, but we're not there yet. So I know, I know, I know, I, <laughs> I know me and my storyteller, dude, I know. But so either, either way it goes. So we started talking about, you know, um, he, his departure, because once you get your sentence, you know, you're pretty much, you're due to go at any point. Yeah. He was like, man, you know, God, man, he came to me in a dream. He said, you be the one that's going to be leading these Bible studies and prayer calls. I started laughing. I barely laughed so <laughs> hard. I was like, me? Man, get out of here, dude. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I finally ended up in a cell by myself. Uh, they started, because they started riding these people out, you know, um, at this point. Right around Christmas time, they didn't ride anybody out of there. So they started riding these people out. And they start taking off. They're going to ranking up the road. Uh, they're going to that land is what they're saying. Uh, so either way it goes, I'm sitting there and I start praying. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I get to this part in John where it says, do you want to be made well? Uh, it's the guy that's sitting at the pool of Bethesda. You know, the angel comes down, touches the water, spins yeah. it around. And then everybody who touches that water, the person who gets put in that water is blessed. Yep. You know, so the man 38 years had been sitting there. God knew all of his trouble. You know, he couldn't knew, get to that water. Could, couldn't get to the water. He watched everybody else get their blessing. Yeah. Uh, so does that sound familiar? You're watching everybody else get the blessing, but you don't know how to get to the water. And Jesus is standing right in front of you asking you, do you want to be made well? So I personalized that. Uh, you know, it's one of those, as I'm reading this, I was, you know, they say in certain parts of the Bible, put your name there. Anywhere where it says I or you or you know, put your name in there. You know, that. Well, this is how this guy was telling me. I'm sorry I'm bored with my story, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Hey, it's personal bedtime, man. Man, I understand. I understand. <laughs> we did start this a little late. But so either way, so to pop this back up, either way it goes. So I started reading this part of the, part of the story, and I was just like, I got to the part where he's like, do you want to be made well? Yeah. And I was like, Drew, do you want to be made well? I was like, you know what? I do. I do. Yeah. Tears started rolling, man. You know, I mean, it was it was one of those things where it was just instant. You know, uh, that was an, a, a God encounter, and I didn't realize it. You know, uh, but so he ends up leaving. I end up doing prayer call. I end up doing Bible study. <laughs> you know. Wind up taking it. I end up doing it. Uh, God told him, yeah. you know, something, and it was just something that was – 
Because for a minute, it stopped completely. And I was like, all right, this doesn't even feel natural. Like, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, nobody's praying for nobody. Nobody's talking about God. Nobody's talking about this. And uh, so me facing 20 years, I ended up only with a year and a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And one of the charges ended up getting dropped due to the fact they didn't have any witnesses. And that was the uh, that was the aggravated assault um, with intent uh with a uh, with the vehicle, yeah, with the car. That was me running the guys over. Uh, so craziest thing ever because I was really expecting to go down for that. Yeah. Um. So that ended up being uh, being tossed out, and so I only did the year and the day. So basically, all together, I did seven months. Yeah. Yeah, because probably from all the time he's already in there. Yeah. 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 Yep. Man. So, dude, it was crazy. That was, uh, and so after that, I started to change, and that's when we we get into the uh, the uh, episode four in season one, uh, the relapse. But you know, so I go to jail. I went up. To, I wound up going to Parchment. I get out, um, and so outside of that, I end up coming to CR. CR. I sat here and I, I enjoyed it. The music, the songs. For, for y'all that don't know, CR Celebrate Recovery, Christ Centered. 12-step program. Uh, hey, is yeah, I'm a part of that too. It's worked for me. So yeah. All right, continue. <laughs> but so, you know, God had done so much in my life yeah. at that point in time. I was starting to give back. I was starting to talk about it. You know, I was starting to uh, put in God's service work at this point. Yeah. You know, and so I was really, man, you know, it, everything was starting to shape up and uh, life was starting to change. But it was little changes that led there, right? It wasn't nothing that was just impactful and I was sitting there just like, I've got to make this major change right now. Yeah. You know, it had been falsified. It started, it was little increments of things that were starting to change. My mindset, the way I spoke, the way I treated people and everything else yeah. started to change. So ultimately what changed then was how I acted outside of that in society. Uh, so, I, you know, I started um, helping out teens and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was when I ultimately started uh, to get really involved in CR. Uh, and that's when I ended up starting to take over a leadership role so, somewhat. Uh, they weren't so sure yet because I was still new. Yeah. You know, um, matter of fact, I think I met you uh, my third month in CR. That was when, you know, it was still upstairs. So, yeah, because like I, I was here and then I, yeah, left you, on, I, I left on my own relapse and <laughs> came back and relapsed again. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a story for another time. <laughs> But so the thing was, is, you know, I was starting to understand, you know, I was starting to understand people. I was starting to deal. Yeah. But then I was living back at my dad's house. So I was having to adhere to his rules. Yeah. Uh, due to the fact, you know, I was on um, house arrest at that point. Uh, so that was the only address I had. Um, that once I got off my house arrest, it started to go downhill. Uh, yeah. The argument started back between us. Um, you know, it, just didn't really believe in the whole like oh well he has changed thing. He could see snippets of change. He could see that there was some growth and maturity there. Um, he could see that there was a need for me not to go back to using drugs. But I started putting myself around people, yeah, places, and things that I shouldn't have been around. Old friends, old places I used to go to, clubs, bars, whatnot. Uh, you know, and I wasn't drinking initially at that time, but you know, that's where it was leading to. And because I yeah. wasn't strong enough, first off, um, I wasn't, I didn't have any tools still 
I had God. Yeah. You know, I prayed about it. And I'm not saying God ain't strong enough, but I wasn't relying on him. That's right. You know what I mean? You, you got to. But there was a point to where I just wasn't relying on God. Mm-hmm. Even though even though I knew better, I knew better to get and not go to these places, get in the Bible, keep reading, keep doing this. But sometimes, just like in that story, uh, where he's talking about the man being made well, once you turn and you go you turn away from Jesus and you go back into the crowd, people are gonna start questioning your faith. They're gonna start questioning yep. who healed you. They're gonna start questioning what made you stronger. They're gonna start questioning the person that you are because they know who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And so ultimately I got all those questions. Uh, man, I don't, I don't think he's for real. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, and then you know, my dad started having more fights and, you know, the anger started to come back because I still had the resentment towards him. I still had the resentment of uh, things that were on the outside. So what ended up happening with that was I started drinking again. Um, and then, you know, I, I stopped talking to my sponsor, NCR, um, you know, but they were kind of going their own little, on their own relapse as well. Uh, so I stopped talking to him. I stopped coming to meetings. Uh, I stopped listening to anything. Uh, so I lost my job with the city at that point in time. Yeah. And I was doing community development. So I was helping out teens. I was, you know, doing some other things there, uh, with the community stuff. That was, that was fun. It was a fun job for me. I ended up losing that because I could not stay clean. Didn't want to stay sober. Um, started to, uh, there was a situation with Jasper or my youngest son, his mom. Uh, and so what ended up happening with that, she ended up uh, losing custody. Uh, you know, and I thought I was going to gain custody that I was on an automatic for that. But, you know, of course, I already had some issues with, um, so, you know, as far as me going to jail and all that kind of stuff had to be worked out. So my parents were awarded temporary guardianship custody. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, Adam was trying to fight back for that, but you know, in the midst of me starting to use alcohol and drugs again, uh, they didn't really want me to be a part of that, and I can understand why. Yep. Uh, because obviously, we know how insane my life got to the fact <laughs> they sent me to prison twice, and I had 158 arrests. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's real smart. Let's put him with that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, my life was not the same. Yeah. I will say that it wasn't the same insanity. You know what I mean? It was drifting back that way, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. But ultimately, God knew what he was doing. And I have to trust that. So, me losing custody of him kind of set me over the edge. You know, and I started having to, uh, you know, I was trying to do steps uh, while I was steadily drinking. You know, uh, <laughs> the whole thing was with that uh, is because other people were, you know, drinking and doing steps. And I was just going to follow the crowd. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to follow myself. I was going to follow the crowd on that. And so that's that was my first failed step study because I ended up getting to step four and running up out of here. You know, um, a lot of people do. Yeah. Well, you know, and there was a lot of talks with the pastor and stuff like that, you know, and all, you know, I started to stop wanting to even come to church. So um, the thing about that is, is that ultimately led to that relapse story. Yeah. You know, um, where I ended up doing one thing I said I would never do, and that was shooting up. Uh, you know, ended up trying to kill myself uh, twice uh, in that moment. I uh, ended up living homeless. I uh, ended up living without water, food, 
I couldn't even bathe unless I was going to my parents' house to bathe, but I was living in, a, in an abandoned house pretty much in Quitman, uh, which it wasn't really abandoned at first. Uh, I just stopped paying the bills on it, and the roommates moved out. But they were giving, they were trying their best to give me a hand up. I just wasn't taking it. Yeah. You know, they were really trying to reach in. You know, dude, you so, so we see you're a little different than how you came out. You were talking about God and doing all this other stuff. What's changed, you know? Yeah. Uh, dude, I was shooting up. I was in the midst of the worst relapse I've ever had. You know, yeah, I table tapped. So that's, <laughs> probably, that's probably going to be all over the microphone. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Y'all get on to me all the time about that. Yeah, don't feel good. Well, but so I fidget. So you know, you you hit this big relapse, the rock bottom, and is what yeah, it was. yeah, yeah, definitely. So what? What was that coming out of that rock bottom? What what got you back into your recovery? Um, so I started thinking about my, my kids, you know, uh, but that wasn't just the driving factor. Uh, you know, I didn't want to feel the way I felt anymore. You know, I was like, God brought me so far and here I am giving up on myself. You yeah. Know? Because I'm wanting to live with the guilt. I'm holding on to resentment and I'm holding on to all this anger. But why though? Why? You know, and I wanted answers. Man, I wrote an 11 page letter to God. Well, it was wow. 11 to 14 pages. Still got it. You know, I still read it from time to time to see where I was at. But the fact that everybody was starting to give up on me again, you know, people were starting to see that, hey, man, I, it was all false. And, you know, not to prove people wrong, but I mean, it was just a whole fact of, um, I knew better. Yeah. I wanted my kids to have better. I wanted to have better. I wanted to be a better person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there were so many changes I had to make, but you know, I had to be disciplined in those changes. So man, it got to the point to where I didn't think I was going to come out of this relapse. I didn't think I was going to, my mind was ever going to be right again. Um, I didn't think I was going to, you know, man, ultimately I thought I was going to die. You know, I got to the point to where, I'd been up for 14 days straight. Um, yeah. And that 14 days straight, um, I started hearing voices. Yeah. Uh, I thought people were after me. Um, and, ah, man, and I was didn't want to go back, you know, didn't want to go back to jail, didn't want any of that lifestyle. So I knew I had to start making more changes, but how do I make the change? Um, how do I be a successful drug user and be a successful person at the same time? <laughs> How? Yeah. Where does that happen? Insanity. It doesn't, dude. You know, and that's just one of the things. Like, I was like, something's got to give. What is the underlying factor for all this, for me to have to give this up? So, I got to my parents' house, and, you know, and at this point, I've thrown, you know, um, I ended up throwing a meth pipe out of my car, uh, full of dope. I mean, it, that thing was packed full of dope. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I had the, the baggie, stuffed it in the stem, threw it out of the car, got out of the car, busted it and make sure it was broken, um, and just kind of grinding my foot into it. And that was me saying, hey, look, because I've been sleeping in the car, yeah. I've been sleeping in the abandoned house, I was like, I cannot live like this. I couldn't even see my kid. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there, and this, is, this was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, was the fact that I was sitting in my mom's house. You know, knowing I needed to get sober. She's trying to feed me. Apparently, you know, I was, I was, man, my clothes were falling off of me. You know, 
naturally I'm a big guy. You know, I think I was weighing every bit of like 175 pounds. Oof. You know, and normally I'm you know weighing two something. Yeah. You know, so either way it goes, uh, she was just like, "Well, you need to eat. I got this meatloaf." Like, she was trying to be nice about it, but she was just like, "Eat something." Yeah. You know what I mean? Man, I think I sat there and looked at that plate and danced around on that meatloaf for about 15 minutes, just sitting there with a fork. <laughs> and then finally, I was like, why are you trying to feed me? And I'm starting to lose it on my mom because yeah. I've been up for so long and I hadn't had no sleep. So I'm thinking she's plotting against me. So I'm like hollering at her, the house, anybody that I thought was in the house. You know, I was like, I know y'all are back there in the closets, you know. I do not. I'm losing it. <laughs> Losing it, walking outside, screaming at the woods, you know what I mean? Because I thought people were out there waiting yeah. on me to screw up or do something. As soon as I left, I was going to get arrested. That was my mindset. Yeah. Man, my daughter comes out of the back room. Scared to death. Looks me dead in my face, tears in her eyes. And she was just like, are you going to go back to jail? Broke my back. So I sat there and I cried. I cried and I cried and I cried. I cried. Man, that was, I ain't never seen a look in my child's face like that. And I hate the fact that she ever saw me like that. Yeah. You know, I can um, imagine. Man. I can imagine the fight tears right now because for her to see me like that, and she understood that something ain't right with my dad. Yeah. You know, um, my mom ends up, oh, well, I got to take Caitlin to dance practice is how she ends up leaving the house. And my mom left. She left with my daughter because I was obviously not sane, right? So my dad ends up coming home. He was like, son, so what's up? What's what's wrong with you? I mean, I broke down. I broke all the way down. I was like, it's drugs. He was like, What? I guess I kind of caught him by surprise because I lied to him for so long, you know. Um, and, you know, in his mind, he didn't know where I was at. He, you know, it was just one of those things. We'd already been arguing. I'd already been kicked out of the house again due to the fact that he already saw me going back down that road. And so he was just like, one more time. Whoa. So tell me what's going on. I said, I'm on freaking drugs. Of course, it wasn't freaking yeah. drugs. You know, was, you know, it was just like, I'm on drugs. And I don't know how to stop. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just, I, I just want, I just want to stop. He was like, what? I said, I want to stop. You know, um, and so he ends up calling the, uh, I guess the director of Weems at this point. And, you know, I hear him on the phone and say, what do you, what do I want to, what do I need to do for him? Uh, he says he wants to quit. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, you know, figure out how to light the cigarette inside the house. Of course, <laughs> it was smoking my parents' house, but I was, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. all there, man. So I go outside and I'm, I'm lighting a cigarette. Next thing I see is a cop car coming down the road, and I was like, Yeah, I was like, man, I just told this dude the truth, and he calls the freaking cops. So they pull up. It's two of them. They pull up. Uh, but I think, I can't remember the exact, uh, logo on the card, but they were, they, how's this, uh, CIT? Yeah. Is that what it is? So they were the CIT guys is what they were. I didn't know this. All I saw was two sheriff cars. And so I see these two sheriff cars and I'm automatically like finna lose it. I'm like, dad, I just told you the freaking truth, man. You know, uh, they pull up and I'm wanting to run. I'm ready to jet, ready to bolt. 
but I didn't, you know, of course, I mean, I ended up staying there or I wouldn't be here where I am right now. Um, but the guy, man, he, he talked me down. Uh, thank you for those guys, to be honest, you know, in that situation. Because uh, without him talking to me the way he did to get me to finally calm down because my nerves were on edge, I was already freaking out. I had already been freaking out that entire day, you know, but I was tired. Once again, still yeah. hadn't eaten, still ain't drinking. All I did was smoke cigarettes the entire day, you know. Um, we ain't taking you to jail, man. It's just talk to me for a minute. What do you want? I was like, I've been shooting up meth. Man, that's that mess and bad stuff, ain't it? Some bad stuff. I was like, yes, sir. It is. Man, well, so let's get you cleaned up, man. I was like, yeah. I just I just took a shower. That's what I told him. You know, because I mean, I I didn't want to go anywhere with him. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to like back out of it as much as I could, and I was just like, well. You know, and I even got mad at my dad. I was like, this ain't the help I asked for. I was like, I asked you for help, and you called the cops. He was like, we're taking you to a place where you can get some help. I can't help you here. You know, so I ended up going to uh, what they call the CSU. Yeah. Crisis Stabilization Unit in Newton. Uh, Stay there, man, 10 days. I acted a full entire 10 days. Because, I mean, I was detoxing. You yeah. know, and I was coming off of it. Man, I was trying to do everything I could to get back out there. So that yeah. was uh, April nineteenth. That was my. That was April eighteenth was my last day to use. April nineteenth was the day that I considered my my clean day. So April nineteenth, coming back up on one, and that'll be my three years at that point. So moving, <laughs> you know. That's right. Uh, but either way it goes, um, that was the beginning of the end of drugs. The beginning of my recovery, uh, true recovery. You know, uh, true recovery with God infused in it all the way through it. That's right. Uh, so I ended up going to um, Weems. I sat at Weems for, you know, uh, I did I did the 90-day program. I ended up leaving in 80 days. I got into another fight, of course. But, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really a fight. I just got on the guy's nerves because, I, you know, um, he was in a situation to where he was having to be there. I was in a situation to where I was healing to be there. Yeah. If that makes sense. He had to be there. I think he was on drug court or something like that. So they made him go to rehab. Me, it was my choice to be at rehab. So I was enjoying every minute of it. And so me trying to enjoy it, I was trying to get other people to enjoy it too. Yeah. Did everybody don't see it like that? You know, um, some other, you know, ex addicts, addicts, whatever you want to call them, they get annoyed real quick. Uh, Most definitely. Yeah. So you, you got back into recovery and you started getting back and that's when you came back in a celebrate recovery and you came, I remember you came back in working the program and, uh, man, it, what a difference that that has made. I want you to tell everybody and go into what you're doing now as far as the, the things that you're doing to stay sober and that service work that you're doing to, to help feed your sobriety and feed your recovery, but also to help others. So service work, um, man, that's that's a big one. That's that's the big tool because uh, the more you give back, the more you stay in. Uh, so um, right now um, I'm going into life coaching. That's a big one. Uh, but the life coaching is not, you know, just for monetary value. Uh, matter of fact, the life coaching I'm doing right now is actually scot-free. Uh, 
maybe it'll be a thing later. But, you know, right now I'm just trying my best to help other people stay encouraged yeah. in their recovery. Uh, not even just stay encouraged in recovery. Um, man, there's people that are out there that are right now um, that they'll give me a call and, you know, they want the help to get to a rehab and stuff like that. Um, I sponsor some people as well. Uh, I got like four sponsees right now uh, that stay in constant contact, man. You know, and it's about, uh, you know, giving back to um, recovery institutions as well. Uh, you know, I, I stay in touch with Weems and that for a while there, East Mississippi, you know, I was doing the drug and alcohol counseling there. Yeah. Uh, and also I was working as peer support. Uh, so peer support being um, somebody who's like-minded uh, through addiction and stuff like that, that's been there, that's done it, uh, that's been in institutions uh, that can actually help you talk you through what you're going through. I got you. Uh, and, you know, also act as a, 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 not a therapist per se, but just uh, that encouragement. Hey, look, yeah. I've been here. I've done this. You know, don't be scared about the process. It's just a process. And you're going to work through it, you know, yeah. um, still doing that, uh, you know, on the side, touch and go. Uh, but, you know, the real thing that's um, helping me uh, stay, stay the course is the fact that, you know, gaining some accountability partners, uh, getting uh, that, that system, that net, that net of people, man. If they see me out somewhere and they see it, if they ever, ever call me with a drink in my hand, I'd probably be punched in the face on the spot, you know. <laughs> Uh, I make sure I can get a filing group, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, the more volatile, the better. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I man, you know, honestly, though, the people who do support me and um, my recovery, I, they are a blessing. Yeah. Whether they're, they've were pass and go people, uh, meaning that they were there for a moment and they, they, they're not. Uh, but those people... You know, there's people who've dug in and made themselves root. So I, I consider root people, branch people, leaf people. You know, some people are there to be the root, go up the tree a little bit. Some people are there to extend a, a stand a hand at the branch. Some people are there for a moment and they go. Those are the leaves, you know. Uh, and the root people in my system, man, you know, uh, that's where the heart is, you yep. know. Uh, I've got a strong, strong support system. And, you know, uh, even my dad, you know, as crazy as uh, our relationship has been, we've made up, you know, uh, that we still have, it's, it still has to be an understanding made or compromise made yeah. in some areas uh, as far, and, but a lot of it is, is sometimes I'm still trying to get rid of some of these addict behaviors unlike. Uh, so I have a, some unlearned or I'm trying to unlearn some behaviors that I have, um, you know, and he's understanding now that yeah. we've talked about it. Uh, not only that, you know, through, um, you know, trying to stay accountable to myself, you know, I've uh, started um, working on myself a lot, you know, journaling, uh, telling myself 10 positive things a day, you know. Uh, and then encouraging other people with those same positive things, not even just for me, but just giving them some insight. Hey, look, man, you know, uh, life didn't have to look like this, you know, <laughs> yeah. change the perspective of it, you That's know. Right. Um, but the big thing is, man, uh, staying in the meeting, you know, uh, most definitely when we're talking about staying clean and how, how I'm doing that, man, I make a meeting every, every Monday, you know, um, sometimes I'll make 
uh, meetings with NA, AA, uh, just when time allows. But really, man, I stay busy. Uh, my kids uh, are a big part of my life, you know, um, and I try to explain to them and be honest enough with them to their understanding, the level of understanding that they have uh, of what drugs and alcohol can do to people. That's right. Uh, what some of the bad decisions, no matter how small and minute it might seem right now, causes a ripple effect throughout the rest of your life. You yep. know, so, uh, and don't pay attention to the negative things you tell yourself. That's a big thing, you know, that people do, especially us as addicts. Man, we beat ourselves up. That's right. Most definitely. We really kick our we own hold, butt. We hold on to the bad stuff. Well, I mean, so so what we see, me and you can have a conversation. You could say, oh, Drew, well, you know, you need to comb hair a little bit or something, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? That takes it for for an addict or somebody who used to be an addict who's normally speaking negative, negatively to self. They're going to say, that joker just said I was ugly. Yep. That's totally not what I said. I was just telling you, put my hair right there. You know, no, no, the whole thing's ruined. You know what I mean? You ever do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's all the time. Negative self talk. Our subconscious believes it and then exaggerates it. So it yep. perverts it, so to speak. You know? Yep. But, man. Well, hey, and yeah. you can also add that you all uh, add to what you're doing in your, uh, your uh, service work. You can add to that list, co-host of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, <laughs> reaching millions of people. <laughs> it's still so. It's still fresh for me. Yeah, you know, I know it. Uh, this this season, man, has been it's been great. You know, um, it's been awesome to get on here and actually tell tell my story. You know, um, for those people who you know haven't yeah. heard it. Uh, for those who, man, there's been people, man, that have supported me through this recovery process, you know, um, you know, it's not short lived. This is a lifetime thing. Yep. Uh, but they're, they're backing me every time and we're proud of you, dude, you know, and it's not about the backpacks. It's really not. Um, I'm thankful for those people because it is encouraging to hear yep. that because there are days, boy, there are some days when yep. you're just like, I give up. Yep. You know, I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I'm yep. exhausted. But you know, those days when you push through that, the next day, you really appreciate going yep. through that. And the, the fact that other people see how hard you're working, yep. you know, at it and they appreciate it too. That's a big thing, man. Yes. You know, and so me, that's why my service work is a big thing, you know, because it, me encouraging other people who've been that been there, the people who are just starting out, who remind me of what it was to be there. You know, yep. sometimes I, I think, man, I'm not making any progress. We've had that discussion. Yes, we when have. You re, when you realize, oh, dude, we've made tons. We're making tons of progress. You know. So either way. And so, Drew, you know, as we close out, man, that's what it's all about. You know. With your story, starting at basically at birth, you know, struggling with that identity, uh, struggling with purpose, you know, later having to deal with anger and all that grief from the loss of some loved ones, and to to go into you know that full blown addiction that led into homelessness, and then to end up where you are at today, man, that's just that's so amazing like i say this 
on every episode, but man, that you're a lighthouse to to others who are out there struggling and in that darkness of addiction. And uh, man, that's just that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Uh, as we close out, uh, man, if anybody wants to reach out to you, maybe to, uh, for some help or to ask a question, or maybe there's another recovery podcast out there that wants to get you on. Not as a co-host, but <laughs> as a guest. Uh, tell everybody how they can reach you the best way. Email, Facebook, whatever it may be. Um, so you can reach me on Facebook. Uh, my page is uh, Drew Smith. Uh, it's got in parentheses Biscuit. Uh, that's a childhood nickname. We're not going to talk about why. But either way, uh, so there's that. Or there's B-I-S-C-U-I-T, Biscuit, 5069 at gmail.com. Uh, that's another way, um, and those are pretty. That's pretty much it. As and far you as can always email the podcast and talk with Drew or me, and that's at unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. And so, uh, Drew, man, it was a pleasure to tell your story twice. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And. Uh, <laughs> Well, we know that I'm long-winded. Yes, we do. And so with that, guys, that's all the time we got for the day. Peace out. And with that, y'all, that's all the time we have for today. We hope that today's episode has shined some ray of hope and encouragement for you. We hope that it inspired you to not give up and that you, too, can have a life outside of addiction and can have lasting sobriety. Recovery fam, don't forget that you can always join us for more recovery conversations on Twitter. Find us at Unashamed Recovery and also use the, the hashtag Recovery Posse to connect with thousands and thousands of others in the Twitter recovery community worldwide. Do you want to be on the show to share your amazing story with listeners from around the world like our guest today did? Or maybe simply you want to tell us how we're doing. Or do you have any suggestions or questions uh, for me for the show? Send the show an email at unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. That's unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. And I hope, all, hope you all continue to stay sober. And until next time, we love you. And y'all remember to be unashamed. unashamed.